Alliance, starring Dana Christopher. Now get us started, guys. Freak out! Thank you so much, Randy Savage. <laughs> like always, this episode of Wrestling Alliance, but these are interesting times. So uh, if you guys are listening, um, thank you. I apologize. Our live broadcast was kind of disrupted. Uh, some technical issues over at Blog Talk. No big deal. So if you're listening live, appreciate it. But the audio is out there as soon as we're done with this whole entire thing, which, if you're listening, you already know that. <laughs> well, I am, of course, uh, you know, with my wonderful co-host, Christopher Brother Ray Patton. How are you doing, sir? Doing wonderful, man. We're, we're here to give content, so if we have to use 85 different recording devices, we're going to put this shit out for everybody. <laughs> uh, man, it's been a crazy week. How's your week? I'm going to do Facebook Live. I'm happy about that, you know? Yeah, this this is much better than last time we tried to do that fiasco. But uh, speaking of fiascos, how how has your week been, man? It's been interesting, man. Uh, worked a couple of days this week. Uh, just been kind of a ghost town over here. I don't know if it's the same for you, but um, just strange. A lot to think about, a lot to handle. I gotta admit, uh, you know, I'm some someone. I'm I'm not bashful, or I'm not quiet about this. I should say. Uh, that's dealt with mental, uh, you know, illness for a very long time. And, uh, for some reason, my anxiety has not been as, uh, extreme as it normally is. Uh, I don't expect that to be for everyone, but I think that it's a realization, Chris, that there's bigger things, uh, in the world to worry about, I guess, and also a lack of control over it, but, uh, not trying to sound philosophical or anything like that. I'm just happy to be talking about wrestling with you and all these wonderful people in Geek Vibes Nation. Yeah, I think that's totally an understandable way to feel when you when you look outside of the front door, so to speak, and see the entire world kind of for what it is. Also, not to get philosophical, but uh, yeah, it's a ghost town at my office as well. Everyone has the option to work at home, um, but when there's five people in the office, it's it's kind of the same thing as working at home for me so uh yeah it, it's been it's been a weird week hopefully everyone's taking care of themselves and, and much like you i am excited to talk about uh the wrestling that we did get and uh these shows in general because some of them were a bit weird to say the least yeah they're all going to be strange in certain parts and aspects but you know that's just how it is i appreciate uh and I, I've, I've said this about wwe but also with AEW who really had a really great way of doing it, i got to say. Um, you know, I'm not going to take a bunch of shots at WWE because everyone's doing what they can, but, you know, I appreciate the entertainment, and I appreciate the effort. It just, uh, 
when it comes to what we're going to talk about, I think we should talk about it first, Chris, is uh, what's going to go on with WrestleMania this year. Um, so I can't believe this. WWE announced this yesterday, right before AEW and NXT went on, uh, that Rob Gronkowski was going to be hosting a two-night event uh, for WrestleMania, the first time they've ever done two nights. Uh, and it's going to be the same weekend, but it's going to be obviously the 4th and the 5th, uh, Saturday and Sunday. Don't know exactly what's going to happen to TakeOver. There's rumors, but they're just rumors right now that the week of they might put a TakeOver like NXT without an audience possibly at the same time as um, AEW that week, that, or not Thursday, or on Wednesday, on Wednesday Night Wars, if you will, which is an interesting concept. Uh, it might not happen at all. They might postpone it. Uh, but then again, storyline's got to finish, and that's kind of like the same concept that happens that weekend with NXT. So we'll have to wait and see. Uh, rumor is, at least uh, accidentally leaked uh, from British Bulldog's daughter, that uh, they're thinking about postponing um, the Hall of Fame until SummerSlam. She was talking about how the significance of how her father was so relevant with the event itself and how it would be very fitting. I don't know if WWE was very happy with her disclosing that information or she got wrong information. No idea. But all of this is very interesting. Ryan Satin reported it might be at multiple locations. And one of the ones they're trying to uh, get a part of it possibly could be Madison Square Garden. Now, we have no idea if any of this is going to work out, period. Uh, apparently, they're thinking about trying to use uh, not the Performance Center, but actually Full Sail. But then again, Full Sail has a full ban of anyone on campus, blah, blah, blah. I don't know all the legal ramifications in, in Orlando or whatever when it comes to that. But there is a lot of questions out there, Chris. We have no idea what they're going to do as far as an audience. I've suggested just Vince say fuck it and just do a hologram audience and all joking. Um, I don't know. They can't really do a laugh track uh, with audience. That would be ridiculous. They could try if it's at the Performance Center, even if it's at something like a Mass Square Garden or, say, um, at Full Sail itself. They could try to, like, you know, I guess have people at it, but try to do, if you will, what AEW did uh, by having a couple people. And we'll get into that, obviously, when we talk about that show. But when it comes to and applies to WrestleMania this year, I guess you're trying to make, you know, not lemons out of dog shit, basically. Lemonade out of dog shit, which is a very weird process. But, you know, let me know what you think about uh, the the uh, the news and also the rumors around what might be happening with WrestleMania. Well, I'll start out by saying um, if you're a huge indie fan, make sure you're out there supporting the indie wrestlers whether it be buying merch or, or whatever it is, because they're going to be hit super hard by not having this WrestleMania weekend. As we know, WrestleMania is not necessarily just a WWE thing. It's it's a lot of everything that goes around WrestleMania and all the different events that fans go to, whether it's like a uh, signings or the indie shows that Ring of Honor would be putting on or even Joey Janela's beach party or Joey Ryan's beach party, all those different things are that they do. Um, so just look out for those guys as well. As far as Mania... WWE's and obviously much like the rest of the sports and entertainment world is a rock and a hard place, so to speak, because they're going to have dates booked for other pay-per-views that they've sold tickets to. Um, and, you know, if, if 
if they're able, you're, they're going to run those events because they have ticket sales, whereas opposed to WrestleMania, they don't have a choice. They just kind of have to refund that and take the loss. I think they're trying to, like you said, uh, you know, <laughs> make lemonade out of dog shit, <laughs> which I like. Um, I think they're trying their best to figure out a good way to do this. The matches are going to be good. Like, I think the WrestleMania card is actually pretty strong this year. There's definitely some things that I want to see on it. It is going to be weird not having that big feel. Maybe they'll look at what AEW did and try to do a friends and family type audience or something like that. I'm all for them postponing the Hall of Fame because I, I feel like to induct certain people, you need their family there in a lot of aspects. And to do it in front of no one, they kind of lose that opportunity. Um, in that mo- moment in the, in the spotlight, like someone like uh, Davey Boy Smith's wife, for instance, that was there with him most of his career, um, that's a big moment for her. So, you know, it, it's something that she would be excited about seeing live. Uh, so I'm glad that they're thinking about postponing that as far as how they handle it or where they put it. Um, I'm not really too worried about it. I, that, but, you know, it's hard to bag on WWE knowing that they do a pay-per-view every month. And, and you could say that they maybe do too many pay-per-views, which I would agree with you. But as far as how they have to handle business right now, it kind of is what it is. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be very weird. Um, it's going to be like watching, uh, like how I guess people watched WrestleMania back before pay-per-view when you had to go to an arena and do closed-circuit TV almost, but it's going to be everybody at their house watching it. Um, I don't know. Maybe they can <laughs> maybe they can uh, pull in some, some, uh, some Twitch streaming or do something weird. I mean, they have an opportunity to do something very different. And it's definitely going to be an event that's always talked about. So if the matches are really good, for instance, um, there's some great workers on this card and some really interesting matchups. And splitting it to two nights is something I've wanted them to do for a long time. So if that means you're going to give Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins like 25 minutes to work as opposed to their normal time, like some of that stuff that could come out of this could be really, really good um, as soon as we can get over the WWE production of things and how they're probably going to film the crowd. But uh, like you said, Abby, we don't really have any answers for this. I, I don't even think the great one Dave Meltzer has any answers for this. Uh, it's just weird, up-in-the-air kind of thing. And uh, like you said, they're, they're doing the best with what they have. Yeah, and I think that – I don't think everyone should, like, give him a pass or whatever. But people got to realize – you know, for all the live sports, and here's the thing, with WrestleMania, stuff still could, if, if if things increase, which obviously we don't want that to happen, if everyone is doing their part and not going to fucking Miami for spring break, ugh, if everyone's trying to do their part and isolating themselves and we're trying to, like, knock down the amounts uh, going forward, that's great. But let's be honest with you, this is, you know, shortly in the future, but something happened in a week worth of time where it completely changed things. So if this is an optimistic concept and they really work this out at, at the health and the risk of the wrestlers and also the, all the people, the crew, you know, the commentators, everyone there, um, if they want to go through with this, I applaud them. I applaud AEW, like I said, also for doing their thing for any of the other organizations. If they try to attempt something going for it, Every sports league has pause. Every music festival has pause. Every major anything has pause. Disney World, Disneyland, you know, this is bigger than that. And, you know, not spreading infection is probably the biggest thing. 
Now, when it comes to Vince, is it, is it his bottom line? Yeah, obviously there's a lot there. But I can't just say, you know, screw him in the WWE for trying to provide content with such limited resources. You know, this, this is a sports entertainment hybrid that's so wonderful that we get to see a performance of two people beating the living hell out of each other, telling the story, and relying on the crowd keywords relying on the crowd for that so it's just weird <laughs> but let's go into the realm of, you know let's let's mess with these rumors chris ryan satin who does work for wwe backstage he works for fox he does stuff you know reveals things outside of backstage and i don't know if he took down the post or not but he's he reported that he's hearing that wwe is trying to position things in multiple locations and possibly to change up the aspects of the event the night of. And what he said was he's hearing that they're trying to clear things, not just at the Performance Center necessarily, which is where they're doing Raw and SmackDown, and we assume they're going to start doing NXT again, uh, but over at Full Sail's uh, location itself and also Madison Square Garden. So if they weren't able to get both of those you know, um, tested, and they found out they could use those locations. I don't know if we have an audience at all, but still, you know, would the WrestleMania 2 concept with no audience change things? Or if they decided to do stuff pre-recorded, maybe Randy Orton and Edge, since the last man standing, you know, they decide to do that kind of like they did Piper and Goldust for the most part, or, or do backstage things. Could they pull this off with different avenues and different locations for the two nights of pay-per-views? I, I think you can, but to me, it, that falls in the line of maybe WWE thinks way too hard about these things, whereas AEW just came out and gave us a wrestling show, which we'll get into later. But to me, I don't know. Obviously, there's some storylines and things that you can't change, but you just give people the best matches you can. And to do that, splitting it to two nights and giving uh, people more time to actually work in the ring and not an exhausting eight-hour show for the fans watching at home, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. I mean, it'd be great for them to get a crowd. The Madison Square Garden thing, I just don't see happening. Like, I don't see that happening at all, considering the amount of cases that they have and that being right downtown where they just recently shut down Broadway for, it was two weeks, it may be even more now, but, you know, Madison Square Garden's like right around the corner next to Penn Station if you've been to New York. So I don't I don't see that being a thing that they would be able to get done um, without, you know, circumstances of today's world changing heavily. What they should focus on is putting out the best product they can in ring, figuring out a way to maybe incorporate the people that are already going to have to be in the building as part of that crowd, drawing the camera angles closer, similar to what AEW did um, last Wednesday. I think there's small things that they could do I know that sucks, and they're going to lose those ticket sales, but I, you know, a lot of people are hurting right now. It's not just WWE. It's, it's, it's lots of people. So it's, uh, it's a shitty situation altogether. But uh, to me, if you focus on good wrestling, you put out an entertaining product. I think the world right now is going, I would say, some of the world, let's go with that, um, is going to understand that WrestleMania is not going to have 75,000 people stacked into an arena or even 2,000 um, if they were going the old Madison Square Garden route like they held the Retro Raw in. I just I don't see it happening. 
<clears throat> we're talking like still looking at like what eight weeks out. I mean, schools have canceled their entire semester, so it's it's going to be very hard for them to position anything like that um, unless they put it on a cruise ship or do something crazy, which even that's like up in the air, right? So, uh, more realistically, I think it's just having good matches and uh, trying to film it in a way that makes sense. Yeah, I don't think anyone wants to get stuck coming home from a cruise ship. So, uh, Lord, it's 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 a it's an interesting choice. I guess the last question, kind of talking about this to wrap it up. How do you think, especially for like a first showing to the WWE audience? I know he's going to be there in SmackDown um, this week with Mojo Riley. Extremely excited about it. But in all seriousness, all seriousness. How do you think Rob Gronkowski is going to do as a host for both nights of WrestleMania? Well, he, I mean, he hosts, you know, he hosts the foot, he hosts that football show on Sunday and he's fine on there. So, you know, in the past they've had New Day, they've had The Rock, they've had people of that nature. Um, it might actually be a smart move just because there's no other sport to watch and Gronkowski is kind of a household name and maybe people will tune in specifically for that just because there's going to be no other sports on um, unless UFC decides to run an empty arena or something. Uh, because it is a two-night show, they could do something crazy like that. But uh, all, all, all of that aside, I mean, he's a big name that reaches multiple outlets. You just got the NFL's uh, free agency signing going on right now. So there's a lot of news around that. Basically, all the sports outlets are specifically talking about that. So giving sports outlets something to talk about that is also going to tie into your product. While I'm not necessarily the biggest Gronkowski fan, I could really care less about him being in wrestling. I also get why he would be there and why they would possibly make him a host as opposed to having a match. Or maybe he is the host and ends up having a match. Um, to me, it makes a lot of sense. And, uh, in some scenarios, it makes sense in a weird direction of trying to push your product during kind of a, a strange time for the rest of the sports world, but I could see it working just because of uh, where we're at right now. But um, I, I think the the strangest thing is there was a lot of talks about them charging for this pay-per-view, and at this point, I, I also feel like that's probably out the window. I don't know that you're going to convince people to uh, drop $50 in the current state of where the, so a lot of people are employed, etc. But that was, you know, going in when we were talking about this WrestleMania four weeks ago, um, the idea or what was seemingly the idea is this thing was also going to be on ESPN Plus. And if you didn't have the network, you could potentially either have to buy it or even if you had the network, you might have to pay an upcharge to get it, um, which I don't think that's happening now. So the idea is to get as many eyes to your product as you can. Rob Gronkowski is a big name. Uh, like I said, outside, you're going to have football free agency going on. People are going to be talking about that. And the sports outlets are just, I mean, all they can talk about is if an athlete tests positive for this stuff or if, you know, sports randomly starts back up, which I don't see happening. Same, same as, like, I don't see WWE running an actual event um, in, the, in the very near future. Uh, definitely not before Mania. And, uh, yeah, so it, for, from that aspect, you're putting a big name out there that people know that's related to football, and football is kind of the only thing happening in sports news. So you can piggyback off that, and hopefully it'll draw eyes to your product. Um, I mean, like, look at, like even the movie industry right now, I think they're, what, releasing Deadshot to basically straight to DVD just because they can't show it anywhere. 
So it's just it's not just wrestling; it's it's everywhere. But associating a big name that people could talk about on ESPN and Fox Sports and all of those different outlets is probably not a bad idea. Um, do I care about it? Not much, but I, I definitely understand why you would try it. Yeah, let's give them something to talk about. Talking about love, love, love. Anyways, yeah, um, I agree with you. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm, I'm happy that uh, <laughs> that WWE decided to do the right thing and just put it on the fucking network. And I guess they're gonna deal with that type of shit uh, later. And uh, yeah, I, I think I, I completely agree with you because even my brother was like. <laughs> He was talking to his friends, and I was telling him WrestleMania was going to still be on. And he was like, well, that might be something for me to watch that night uh, if it's going to be on Saturday and Sunday because, you know, it's it's some level of some type of competitive sport-like concept. Now, obviously, it's very different, but my brother used to watch it back in the day. So I, I, I get that, uh, that, that concept. And watching UFC this last weekend, an empty you know, place. It was very strange. It's, it's, it's so weird. It just seems like it's like, uh, haunted almost with no one there and just hearing so many sounds. You don't mean to, you know, hear and, uh, whatnot, but, um, yeah. Uh, you, UFC, just to speak on that real quickly before we move along, looked extremely brutal with no one in the crowd though. Yeah, it really did. It's almost like you felt bad for watching it. You're like, oh my god, these guys are trying to kill each other with no one there. It made it very, very strange to watch. Absolutely, it was. Uh, it was. It was weird. It's. It's weird hearing every like element of what's going on <laughs> in wrestling and UFC without the audience there. It'll kind of muffle all the sounds and shit like that. It's. It's. It's strange, but it's what has to be done as of right now, at least. And uh, that's that's basically, Chris, you know, the breakdown of WrestleMania. Um, I don't have any more comments to talk about it. I think that if they try, if they try to do a different type of viewing concept, I don't care if they take inspiration from how AEW did it. I forgot the Jacksonville location, the, the stadium they used, Concert Hall or whatever. Not really a stadium, but, you know, the, the, the camera angle – Maybe getting some wrestlers out in the audience like they did. I like that heel versus babyface. They don't have to exactly copy it, but you know, give us still that big fight feel if they can to any extent. And if they have to pre-record certain things and get creative, I don't think that's a bad thing. Vince getting in his head is my my worry about any of this stuff. So you know, we're gonna have to, I guess, wait and see. Any last comments about it? Yeah, I will say AEW just took exactly what I said you should do last Saturday for this situation, which is your performers are already there. Just put them in the crowd and make the entire thing like a lumberjack match, essentially, which they didn't go to that far of an extent, but that is basically what they did. I feel like that's the smartest way to do it. So hopefully WWE follows suit. They're going to get shit for copying, but I mean, it is just the most logical thing that you could do as far as having having some sort of performers there. Maybe even do like an NXT invasion angle or something for Mania that's not in the storyline cards. It, it'll at least give you some reason to have more people there, um, etc. It, it's going to be weird regardless, but uh, yeah, I, I guess we can move on to some of this, some of this uh, wrestling. 
Oh, one <laughs> more thing before we get out of the news. I just thought of it. Um, everyone check out Undertaker's work with his Tiger Sanctuary. Him and Michelle McCool. Because Undertaker posing for photos with giant tigers is the most adorable thing for absolutely no reason. And I feel like everybody needs a little positivity in their life right now. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely think that would be something to watch. I'll actually throw in there, and I'll, I have to check out The Undertaker with his tigers, but if you get a chance, uh, you know, former governor of California, Arnold Schwarzenegger, was at his house giving a PSA about not going out at nighttime because it's a curfew. And he actually has two, uh, one donkey and one pony, uh, for some reason, with him in a kitchen while he's doing this. And their names are Whiskey and Lulu. And it was probably some of the funniest shit. He did another video about this in his hot tub, smoking a cigar. Uh, for 71 years old, not does, not only does Arnold look great, but I am glad he's giving pointers for all of us to fucking stay in and chill out. You know? Yeah. I, <laughs> I was hoping he would say a little bit of the bubbly <laughs> when he was in the hot tub. <laughs> I was disappointed. I was very said, disappointed. A little bit of the bubbly, you know. Yeah. Uh, all right, well, before we leave, let's actually let's go over some fun stuff. So Roman Reigns, after this was announced, God, I love Roman. He gets so much shit from people. But uh, Roman Reigns, uh, he, he went to Twitter, and he said, two nights of WrestleMania at WWE's biggest event just got bigger. One of those nights belongs to the big dog. Who will claim the other? Guess we'll see. Uh, hashtag main event. Uh, from this, CM Punk decided to put Chris... Um, Basically, uh, a tweet that said, oh, good, you know, having no one in the audience. There's no way for anyone to boo uh, Roman Reigns. That's good. WWE will get their wish or something along those lines. And Adam Copeland, a.k.a. Edge, popped in and said, ah, that's cute, big pup. But whether you realize it or not, if Randy Orton has the Nats accept my challenge for WrestleMania, we've already marked our territory on what the real main event is. After nine years, the wolf is back in the yard. La- hashtag last man standing. Hashtag main main event. So, um, you know, Roman's just trying to be a nice guy. He's trying to get everyone pumped up and everyone's on his balls. How do you feel about that, Chris? I feel like Roman should have told CM Punk to eat a dick. <laughs> <laughs> like, am I being honest? Like, okay, it's easy. You had a two-year run at the top, bud, but you've been gone for forever and you're still out here shit-talking Roman, like, get the fuck over yourself. I'm, I'm just done with CM Punk making snarky remarks. If he's not going to come back and actually do something at this point, he should just stop shit-talking people that are there working their ass off. Like, if you don't like Roman, you don't like Roman, fine. We fucking get it. CM Punk, you don't like a lot of people in WWE. We've been down this road. We fucking heard it. At some point, like, stop crying like a fucking toddler. Either nut up and come back and show everyone that you're the best of all time. Or just shut the fuck up, like, honestly. Well, it's funny that you said that, because CM Punk was on The Swing and The Mrs. Radio Show yesterday and was asked, basically, you know, as far as, if you were to come back, and since everyone out in the audience loves this idea, of course it became if the money was right. Um, His quote, Chris, I think a guy like Daniel Bryan, I I would go. I, I would listen to your idea. If you had a good idea, if you said John Cena, I'd probably listen to your idea. Rey Mysterio, I would listen to your idea. For, for, for people that I haven't wrestled, I think Will Ospreay 
I would listen to New Japan. Uh, but there's like I said, there's a lot of moving part. But I'm busy doing other stuff. Well, Will Osprey did. He he called his bluff basically. And if I could find the part in the fucking thing, uh, Will Osprey said, "Just an idea, and because we could all use something to focus on to get us through this hard time right now. Save January fourth. That would be Wrestle Kingdom, and get some reps in. Help the business move forward instead of being a spoke on the wheel." This might be clickbait, but a great white just bit. There you go. How do you feel about <laughs> Will Ospreay calling out CM Punk and say fucking nut or shut up? <laughs> I like that, and I also like the fact that Gato would never fucking sign him to New Japan at this point. <laughs> I, like, there's no way you would convince Gato in the New Japan office to sign this guy who has been toxic. Like, it's just so toxic towards wrestling in general in a lot of ways. Like, New Japan doesn't want that shit. Like, I don't I don't see it. It would be great. I do like Will Ospreay's comments. I like that he's not afraid to, to take shots at these big names in wrestling. Uh, Seth Rollins looking at you. CM Punk looking at you. Um, so, yeah, from that standpoint, definitely appreciate that. Um, yeah, I'm just, I, I mean, I'm not trying to down CM Punk. I liked his run in WWE. We talked about in the past. He's never was my favorite in-ring performer, even going back to Ring of Honor, um, and maybe even a little before that. But just like at this point, I'm just done talking about. It. It's been three years of us talking about this guy, and he's not even involved in fucking wrestling. He's signed to a contract for a show that gets 200,000 viewers a week. Like, can we just be done talking about CM Punk unless he's actually returning? Yep, I agree with you, man. I completely agree with you. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's all very interesting, but we have been talking about it for a very long time and nothing has happened. So, you know, instead of it, if you, if you're going to finish, if you're going to, if you're going to tickle the balls, you might as well finish the fucking, you know, the thing, you know, don't leave anyone blue balled, you asshole. Anyways, but he's I from mean, Chicago. Or, or just, so they're angry or, or, they're, or just don't, I mean, just don't shit on Roman Reigns for no reason. Like. All right, you don't like the match. He's having a match with Goldberg. Fine, just say that. But there's no reason to like try to bury WrestleMania when your job is to talk about the fucking sport. Like, well, he's his job is to be the edgy guy that talks shit about the sport because he's still mad about WWE, but he doesn't care. That's his whole concept. I mean, yeah. Well, he should go back to writing comics where I don't have to hear as much about him. Let's go with that. <laughs> All right, well, we'll move on to a very interesting Monday Night Raw and break down this whole entire lovely event. Uh, like Friday SmackDown, this week's Raw was performed in the WWE, uh, WWE Performance Center with no fans. Um, thank you, UpRocks, because for one, once again, we are using your amazing um, skills of breaking down the uh, the different wrestling events. Uh, big fan of UpRocks. Um, especially they're with spandex, uh, you know, thing to find the news for wrestling uh, subsection, I should say. But anyways, let's get into this. Uh, Edge came out, talked about how Beth Phoenix's original announcement was going to be that Edge was retiring again, but Randy Orton didn't let her finish. Edge challenged Randy Orton to a last man standing match at WrestleMania. This is one of those situations where, God, if this was in front of an audience, it would have had much more gravitas, if you will. But Edge is so good at being an excellent in-ring entertainer. 
um, and just being able to get so much across. He's such a good actor. You know, his eyes have always said that, you know, talking about another person I, I forgot about how great he is with just facial expressions and eyes with Luke Harper, a.k.a. Brody Lee later. But uh, Edge is just one of the best when it comes to showing so much emotion with such little, you know, he's got that grit like he always talks about. But I, I am excited about this match, Chris. I thought the for what it was, giving the performer and how good he is, he made it what it had to be, and he did a, a damn good job of it. It was just kind of awkward. And like I said, I think this match, if it's last man standing, put it in a different setting to change up aspects of the show, have this be like a backstage brawl. I'm not saying do the whole Piper Goldust thing 100%, but use that as a way to kind of change it up. I mean, we watched Tommaso Ciampa and fucking Johnny Gargano destroy that place. So obviously they don't mind doing it. <laughs> so uh, take advantage of that, I guess. Or try to do it in some other disclosed location. I, I don't know. They can pre-record it. It wouldn't bother me. Are you more excited after this promo, given the circumstance about Edge versus Orton? Yes, I like the promo a lot. I think Edge has been great since coming back to TV after getting... Uh the chair shots and, and the Beth Phoenix angle. I, this is one of my favorite storylines headed into mania. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to like that match a lot. I'm fine with them pre-recording it. Honestly, if they make it look really good, I'm okay with it. I do want it to start in the ring. Um, and if I was going to allude to doing a last man standing match uh, in an empty arena, something a little more modern would be, uh, you know, Austin rock during the Super Bowl halftime show or whatever. Do something like that. Like, go everywhere with it. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Randy Orton in a last-man-standing match at Mania makes me nervous just because if they do anything off-campus, it's going to remind me of that Bray Wyatt fiasco (laughs) where they started in that abandoned house or whatever. Um, You burned it down. Yeah, let's let's start in the ring and then work our way into weird places. Hopefully they don't do something. Well, actually, they could do. It could be very interesting where they just disappear. No one can find them, and they're still fighting. And then it comes back like an hour later. It's like, no, they're still fighting. I'm just kidding. Please don't do that, uh, WWE. I was I was being facetious, but uh, yeah, I'm looking actually, forward to that yeah. match. If if Randy Orton and Edge are fighting PR periodically throughout the night, like we lose where they are, and then like towards the end of it. You know, they just come back out, like, just battered at the end of it and just beat the shit out of each other for the ending. You know, it's just weird. Dude, this is going to be such a strange fucking WrestleMania. Like, this might literally all be at the Performance Center with no one there. It's just so weird. It, oh, God. This, this could be such a great match because of that, though, because last man standing matches in general lend themselves to being in weird places. But the, the reason they don't do it as much is because the crowd ends up having to watch the Titan Tron. But in this scenario, for this match, if there is no crowd, it's the perfect time to do this stipulation. And they actually built to it so that it makes sense as a blow-off match or whatever. So um, I'm hoping they do something really, really neat with this. And knowing Edge and Orton, I'm sure there'll be some really, really cool spots. Uh, Orton, when he wants to be, he's, he's such a damn good heel. I just, 90% of the time, I feel like he phones it in, but he's really dialed it up for this feud, and Edge has been absolutely phenomenal since coming back. So this match, for sure, is the one I'm probably looking forward to the most. Um, And then 
maybe a little below that Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens, just because I, I feel like they're going to give them a lot of time and maybe they'll even have one of their harken back to their ring of honor days and we'll get some crazy shit. But yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to edge and uh, Randy for sure. All right. We uh, had Becky Lynch arriving to the performance center on a customized semi or semi truck. Um, I don't fucking know, man. <laughs> She's Hulk Hogan. She, she just yeah. shows up in a fucking monster truck. <laughs> but here's the thing. I mean, honestly, like, you know, I would even say over Roman, like, is Becky one of the biggest polarizing characters that they have built up? You know, all this weird shit she does, she definitely resonates with the kids. You know, people like her. Me and you, who have liked her for a very long time, we saw her. I feel at her peak, you know, it just took her getting her face busted in. And then they kind of just, I don't know, just drizzled uh, ass juice all over it. And kind of, have, they don't know where the fuck they're going with their national Hulk Hogan. You know, she was Conor McGregor. She was Stone Cold. She'll be Stone Cold at the end of the night. But for right now, yeah, I, I totally thought Hulk Hogan. That's funny that you say that. How did you yeah, like I mean, it? that's like... It, that's so fucking WCW. I mean, I know, like, you know, Austin also did it, but Austin also drove a vehicle, like, every other month. So, <laughs> but, like, I don't know, man. The be- We've already talked about it on the show multiple times, and I'm sure people are tired of hearing it. I think that they've... I don't know what they did to Becky and why they can't just decide on a direction, but the changing it every week makes it terrible. Um, but fans are still behind her, so good for her, like, I feel like the fans are still behind her because they just realize it's a bad storyline, much like they were with Ambrose to some extent and, uh, you know, some other wrestlers that they just like. But eventually that'll, that shine will wear off a little bit if they don't do something. Um, I mean, I feel like she has to go, she has to win against Shayna, which is weird to say, but I feel like you have to do that. If, I mean, and I would have thought the exact difference, but, at, you know, given the circumstances of lately, they are, she is one of the biggest names they have. So, she, yeah, I would definitely think that she might have to go over Shayna. And I, it, I don't think it helps that Shayna kind of fizzled her way out, I guess, in Vince's mind, which is stupid. Um, well, then again, she was so dominant after that rumor in Elimination Chamber, so who the fuck knows about that? But my question to you is, is Becky Lynch, if you're not counting past people like, like you know, Brock Lesnar, John Cena, you know, is she the biggest person out of this generation of wrestlers, like, marquee-wise, I guess? Like, it's going to be her and Roman, and then maybe Bray after that? I, I don't know. Is, is she beating Roman is what I'm asking you, like, overall? I mean, isn't Daniel Bryan still more over than all of them, though? The funny thing is, I now because of what happened, kind of considered Daniel Bryan in the past bracket. Like, obviously he isn't, and he got injured, but it's like since he got injured, it's like he turned him into a legend, if you will, instead of as a, as a uh, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, the way that they, they book him. Like, his championships, it's, he gets people, you know? Yeah, I just mean the as far as the fans and the crowd going, I feel like Daniel Bryan is still more over than Becky. I could be wrong on that, but just from watching at home, at least. Oh, he is. But is he a past legend? And that's why, instead of opposed to being one of the bigger ones out of this, you know, the modern. I don't know. 
I mean, saying that, it's like, it's not that long ago when Daniel Bryan was on top. So, New Day, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, the, mar- the, mar- the marquee name is actually the New Day at this point. Um, yeah, no, I mean, out of, the, out of some of the people that you named and the people that they're trying to push as big, big names, I feel like it, she's definitely there, but uh, the star is kind of fading for a lot of fans. Especially yep. the diehard fans, uh, just because of the way she's been booked and uh, the biting angle didn't help. The fact that she was thrown into that uh, weird match with Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans and the Lacey Evans feud, and now she's trying to rekindle her badassness whilst losing to Asuka like three or four times in a row. Uh, I would say some bad booking has probably turned some fans a little sour, but she's yep. still beloved. Um, they're not turning on her like. You know, it's not like Roman where half the crowd, because they're weird, hates Roman and half the crowd loves Roman. Um, it's, I don't know. I would say, yes, she is probably their biggest marquee current superstar. Um, yeah. But it also points to the fact that they don't know how to keep a star a star anymore and that they have very specific ways of booking someone as a star once they get to that level. I can agree with that, yeah. I think that's definitely a good way to break it down, uh, DX style. But Becky, uh, yeah, I think that, not only that, I think the Rip, the, the Rhea Ripley-Charlotte match is kind of, you know, kind of taking my eyes when it comes to the two women's uh, championship matches. And we still have no idea who the fuck's going against Bailey. Or It's so weird. Now they have two nights, so now it's like beforehand, I was like, just... Just, just go down to the bare minimal. Just don't worry about it. Just like have a really stacked matches, the ones that we know about. You don't have to add anything to it. Sorry, this year especially, you don't need everyone on the fucking card. They're not doing the battle royal. But now that they have two nights, like, yeah, I guess just fucking, you know. Do you think that this pay-per-view, Chris, is going to be like three or four hours both nights? Like he's going to try to pack I- shit in? I mean, I'm hoping that it is three hours both nights, but with longer matches and yeah. less of a pre-show. Um, because I think if you split it up that way, I still think you can get some really good matches and really entertainment. And you'll get people to come back. If, if the first show is really good, people will come back for that second show. Just because there's going to be nothing else on. Like, unless you're just watching Netflix or something, like, what the hell else comes on on Saturday and Sunday? Sports. What, what is not happening right now? Sports. So they, 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 if they bomb this one, it's like, in some ways, they're on fault because there's not a stiff competition going against Mania this year. Um, I will say this, and, and go ahead, Becky Lynch fans. You can at me at, at Chris R. Patton on Twitter. Oh, no. Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley are going to have the better match, and I don't want to hear anyone crying yeah. about how Charlotte has been overpushed over Becky and how she's been thrusted into all of Becky's storylines this time around of why she's actually in the match or why she's on Mania, because now there's no excuses. No excuses for who's going to have the better match, who's going to come out looking like the bigger star out of that match. So, I, uh, like I said, Becky fans, you can go ahead and at me on Twitter, but uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and say it now. The Rhea Ripley-Charlotte match is going to be fucking great. The becky Shayna match is going to look like a weird match because Becky, outside of wrestling Asuka, hasn't wrestled anyone of any note in a while. And her, like I said, the star's kind of fading on her. So we'll see. Yeah, very interesting. And I agree with you. I mean, 
Charlotte's going to bring Rhea to a great match. Rhea's already a very incredible in-ring performer. Nothing against Shayna and and, uh, and, and Becky. Uh, but for me, them two doing their thing, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that. Uh, anyways, I guess let's, let's move on. Uh, next, they show the 2020 Men's Royal Rumble match uh, in its entirety. They kind of like just went into it, and they were talking about Drew McIntyre's dominant performance in the end of it, and Brock Lesnar at the beginning, and then they just showed the whole entire fucking thing. Um, I get it. I think they're going to have to keep on doing this. I know a lot of people were upset, like I said, with NXT about them you know, doing some more documentary stuff to kind of get the fights up. And, but I think they're conserving their performers. I think that they're trying to figure out shit. And maybe even, like, Vince at this point's like, don't have it at the performance center, don't have the uh, NXT thing, you know, overshadowing Raw and SmackDown since they're in the same exact bare, you know, essential concept. But, yeah, uh, I don't know. It was it was interesting. Do, do you think it was a bad idea for them to replay the 2020 Men's Royal Rumble for a section of time? I think if the fan base was larger, I wouldn't have as much of a problem with it. But like WWE's ratings show that it's a lot of just diehards. And I would say probably 70% of those people watched the Rumble to begin with. So I don't know how many of those stuck around to actually watch. It'll be interesting to see what the ratings look like, to be honest with you. If the idea was to draw in casuals uh, for the Rumble showing, I think I would have announced that I was showing the, the Royal Rumble in its entirety for free and then prompts the network and promoted it a little bit harder than what they did because it was a little random on the show. Um, and I definitely tuned out because I've watched that Royal Rumble twice already. Didn't really need to see it a third time, especially not with commercial interruptions. Um, but yeah, I mean, they did the same thing uh, on what was SmackDown. They did they showed the Hell in the Cell match, the tag team Hell in a Cell match. And, and, and to me, that... You know, it makes a little sense, but Rumble's been out for like a month, so everyone's kind of seen the highlights anyways. Where Hell in a Cell, they were coming off, what, like a one-week break from that pay-per-view? Um, yeah, it's, I don't know, it's it's weird. It's hard to say, because they could have just went what they did with, on. well, actually, they kind of did that on SmackDown, but they tried to have those matches, and it just, like, they felt very weird. Um, especially them coming out to like a 15-minute promo on SmackDown. My wife was like, this is like a high school play that no one paid to see. Uh, and she was spot on. And it's not the performer's fault. It's just when you're used to a crowd reaction and you're out there trying to cut, you know, disc promos on one another that are written by writers. Um, it's just going to be bad. But, uh, yeah, I didn't have a problem with it. I mean, it's a three-hour show. I don't, I don't know what else the hell they were going to do. They're not going to have wrestling for three hours. I mean, like I said, if you, if you really wanted to make a good show, you'd put all your best people in, like, a tournament or something and give them 15-minute matches, like have Ricochet versus I, I, Andrade for 15 minutes. But they're not going to do that either. Um, so just, that would be just awesome. Weird. Yeah, like, the only way around it is you just put your best performers and you're like, go have a five-star match, pal. And I kind of felt like I knew they weren't going to do that, but that's that would be the actual answer outside of just showing something you've already done. I think more of the problem would be, like, why does it have to be something that happened, like, a month ago? Why didn't you show, like, a great classic match? Like, 
you know what? Just poke fun at CM Punk. Why didn't you show that first CM Punk John Cena match? Just to be dicks. That would have been good. <laughs> yeah, that that would have been a very interesting way to do it. Uh, so they had 2.335 million viewers. Uh, they were up since mid-February and uh, good from what Dave Metzler said. Um, and uh, apparently the the some of the down segments, one of them was the AJ and an Undertaker one, and the other one was uh, Becky Lynch's uh, little promo. And, of course, the, 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 the most viewers they have was actually in Hour 3 when Stone Cold came out uh, for the 316 thing. So that was good. They were able to keep people waiting in anticipation for that third part, for that third hour at the end. Uh, but Austin always fucking bumps the ratings, man. That's, I guess that's what it means. But um, before we go into the AJ uh, Undertaker uh, storyline, which I actually liked what they did, uh, what do you think about that rating and the fact that Raw had some decent viewership? this last week i mean good on them i i thought it would it would it could have went one of two ways with them showing the rumble because the rumble was so long which is either people would be into it because there's nothing else really to watch and maybe they hadn't seen the rumble or you would have had like all the diehards just tune out but i guess if you're just you're still watching wrestling on monday night raw you just stay in i guess and like i said there's not there hasn't been really any competition um I don't know. Yep. That's a good a good rating for them. I mean, like I said, I if it was me, I just wouldn't have shown something that just happened a month ago necessarily. I would have maybe done some classic things, especially if you're just trying to draw eyes to people who are stuck at home. Like show an awesome Stone Cold Steve Austin match, like Steve Austin versus Bret Hart, or do something and explain why it's important and then loop it back to whatever's going on in current day. Um I think you, if you're going to do a show like that, you could definitely just do a highlight reel show with some interesting promos around it, maybe how those wrestlers were inspired by them. But if fans dug it, I mean, if people stuck around for it, good for them. I mean, I didn't expect that rating, and I hadn't looked at it. So good on them, man. Yeah, I'm wondering if they're relying on people that don't have a lot to watch that are going to Raw and then giving them a free option like that, like with the Royal Rumble that just happened, like, oh, shit, that's on? I don't know, but I agree with you. You might as well advertise it then. Go over Facebook, fucking, you know, just give a lot of information to let people know they're going to they're gonna give this match away for free. Um, I think, and they're not going to do this, it's kind of like your idea with the tournament, which I love that idea, Chris. For the Hall of Fame, if, especially if it's extended to SummerSlam, if you don't have a lot to show, you know, do like a little mini, like little, you know, clip thing about a certain wrestler and then give something like a match, like with Davey Boy Smith, they could show the uh, Wembley match with uh, him and Bret Hart at SummerSlam. Or, you know, with the NWO, they can do like a little segment showing you some of the highlights without, you know, throughout them doing whatever, maybe the Sting versus Hollywood Hogan, you know, like there's a lot of creative things they can do uh, grabbing from their network and putting on their program that won't make it so boring and, and, and repetitive, especially for, people that are going to go and watch it like me and you and don't want to watch the Royal Rumble for the third time. Maybe fourth. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're obviously ultra diehards, but if you saw the Royal Rumble once, you know, all the surprise guests, you've seen it. I'm surprised that people stuck, stuck around as much as they did. But like, I, like I said, I mean, I don't, I don't know what the competition was. Like, I guess nine one one was on Fox or something like that's kind of probably it. Um, yeah, just, 
good on them. I mean, it obviously it worked. I just would have probably promoted it a little harder. And I think going forward, if this thing is going to draw out, you know, utilize the great matches you have in your your back pocket. Utilize all the stuff you have on the network. Um, That's the one thing WWE does not lack is content. If you go to the network, there's tons of good stuff you could watch on there if you haven't good seen it a billion, it. billion times. Um, and, and like I said, especially with the Hall of Fame, I like your idea there. You could have like wrestlers that were inspired by these wrestlers break down the match, almost roundtable style or something, oh. commentary style. And I think a lot of people would dig that. Um, but I don't know how the casual fan would feel. Maybe the casual fan's like, I'm getting pay-per-view for free. I didn't have to buy the network. That's awesome. But they already did Hell in a Cell, or they already did Elimination Chamber. Sorry, not Hell in a Cell. They just did the Rumble. Unless you're just going to show them stuff from last year's Mania or SummerSlam, I I don't know where you go from there. So the next, the, to me, you just start lining up your best matches. You look at maybe the Dave Meltzer scorecard, and you're like, okay, let's show these, promote them ahead of time, and uh, maybe for the people that missed it, they tune in and, and watch it just because they know the people that are involved. Hey, there's no reason why people, you know, can't get exposed to Randy Savage versus Ricky Steamboat WrestleMania three for the Intercontinental Championship. So, and plus many many other matches. You said WrestleMania thirteen with uh, Bret and Steve Austin. Shit, fuck. I mean, there's so many amazing. Yeah, yeah. I love I love all of that. I am such an old school fan. I can do that. I can definitely watch that. It just. Diminishing returns, which is showing stuff that diehard fans, like you said, have already watched. Um, all right, let's talk about the next segment. We had The Undertaker, who arrived at the Performance Center, and uh, you had The King in the ring uh, for the signing for the contract. But Undertaker comes out, and he's kind of like, I don't know, it's it's a weird middle of, of American Badass, but also like the, the, the newest Undertaker. He's got his hair in a ponytail, you know. Uh, just very angry because there's no contract. Uh, Jerry can't find it. He flips over the table. We come back from break. Undertaker, is, you know, is just hanging out there. And AJ Styles and the OC show up on video uh, to insult Taker. Uh, I don't remember some of the lines that they said, but AJ actually hit him. AJ's been great in this, man. You know, AJ, I know from what people have said that he wasn't the greatest uh, talker back in the day, he, including friends of his like Matt Morgan on Wrestling Inc. Um, has, has said this, like he was never known as being a talker, but I think that, you know, the last couple of years, he's definitely honed, he's definitely, or even New Japan too, and uh, the, the interviews that I've seen with them, definitely zoned in on a certain style, a certain cockiness, he comes off better as a heel. And uh, I, I just liked that, after talking all that crap, he made Gallows and Anderson take the the uh, documentation that he signed for the, the contract for the match to The Undertaker, who, of course, put the lights out, put them on, a little bit of silliness behind the OC, and then signed the contract and stuffed it in Anderson's mouth to get back to AJ. Odd segment. I thought it was fun. Undertaker looked a bit weird. He's older, though. I don't know what look he was exactly going for. He kind of like looked like if my dad tried to figure out what he used to wear and then try to put it on, but just didn't have the same results, if you will. I don't know. Sorry, Dad, if you're listening. 
Um, but it, it was, it was awkward, uh, but it was still the undertaker and I enjoyed it. And I liked AJ. Uh, how, how did you like it, Chris? I liked it just fine. I mean, I thought it set up the match perfectly. It's just building on the storyline that they already have. Um, I, I do think it's still weird that AJ is taking like personal life shots at undertaker, but then again, undertaker has been more on Twitter and Instagram and he's doing the save the tiger thing and. Maybe we are going to get the American badass taker, or, or just something in between what that was versus you know the dead man. Um, you know what? I'm fine with it. It's fucking Undertaker. Him and AJ are probably going to have a good match. I like the build so far. Sucks for Anderson and Gallows because they're just there to get demolished each week. Um, they're but good. to be <laughs> to be fair, they've been there to get demolished each week for the past like four months. So it's really hard to get upset about. Yeah. And yeah, such such a great unit, but you're definitely right about that. Uh, so we had a pretty awesome match, uh, I would say, with uh, Rey Mysterio and Andrade. But it's the same thing that me and you have been saying for a long time. They keep on taking one guy out out of the uh, Latino, you know, wrestlers that they have, and just keep on going to a series of matches that don't go anywhere. By now, you should have had a tournament. Throwing Ricochet, throwing Cedric, throwing a couple other people. Like kind of like what Chris was saying, basically, just specifically for the IC belt and keep Andrade out of it, and kind of like or the US title, I should say, and uh, keep him out of it and just just see where you can go with it. But um, that's not what they're doing. I think that the whole match though was distracted by some amazing commentary from Oscar while she was just just going off in Japanese, and I loved. Some of the interaction with the king and her, where the king was 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 trying to explain what she was saying, I thought that was really funny and and, and charming. But you know, in today's world, I'm, so, I'm sure someone got mad about it. But I I thought Oscar was great here, and uh, they had a, they had a good match. It just this is going nowhere with the uh, with the U.S. belt, right? Seems that way. I mean, it it seems like Angel Garza versus Andrade, right? That's the feud they're trying to get to. They're just getting to it in a very roundabout-ass way. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, this is the... This the sets up to their elbow. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. The, to me, this does set up the perfect uh, idea for a tournament. Like you said, this is... Uh, you could give a big match feel without the crowd being there if it actually means something and you get a number one contender out of it. Um, but once again, that's just... Maybe outbooking what they're trying to do at Mania. I still feel like it's going to be Angel Garza versus uh, Andrade with a feud over Selena Vega because they're not going to acknowledge the fact that, you know, Selena is actually with Aleister Black. So <laughs> uh, they only want to be realistic when they want to be realistic. Uh, but yeah, I, it's, it's, uh, you know, the match was good. I, I would, I mean, to me, you could do, you could have just done Rey Mysterio versus uh, Ricochet, and and harken back to that Lucha Underground time when they were having those great matches. And if you're just gonna throw random shit together, you might as well throw me a, a good match I haven't seen yet. Yeah, that would be nice. You know, like I said, when the fuck can we get Rey Mysterio and Ricochet in something? Smash. They 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 perform great with each other. I think they've had like. Two, maybe one, since they've both been on the same show. Fucking ridiculous. Uh, all right, so Becky Lynch came out. She got a promo on Shayna Baszler and how she uh, 
you know, as long as she's champion, Shayna's life is a lie. That Baszler, you know, just is not on her level. You know, the same stuff that she has been saying, honestly, um, which is not bad. I mean, you know, she's just doing that angry Irish woman. I'm, I am going to be the fury within your life. If I could do an Irish accent, I would try, but that's not happening. Um, and Baszler was angrily watching her on a monitor backstage. I thought this was, this was fine. Uh, how did you like this, Chris? I, I thought the promo was okay, but the segment itself sucks, because why would Baszler even be in the building if she's not having a match? And why would she not come out and destroy Becky like when she tried to bite her neck off? So from that standpoint, I thought it kind of sucked, but the words Becky was saying, it fits with what they've done with her character recently, so it was fine. I, I don't blame a lot of this on her. Like, say you're the man, say you're the champion, remind everyone that you're the champion, and then likely she did. She nailed to perfection probably for what they asked. Yep, I agree. Well, then we have Mr. Kevin Owens, KO, uh, spoke about liking WrestleMania being relocated to the WWE Performance Center uh, because he wants to defeat Seth Rollins in the same building where he believes he earned his place in WWE when the NXT World Heavyweight title. A lot of people don't realize, uh, you know, with, with Seth is that he was in NXT, um, but it was during the stages when it was S- FCW, uh, which is where he came from beforehand. So it's a little bit different, actually. And, I mean, Kevin Owens is kind of the first big, I would say, uh, NXT guy. And uh, I like I liked the uh, promo. Kevin Owens is great. And um, at least, like I said, he's trying to make, you know, lemonade out of dog shit, right? Yeah, I mean, I like the I like the fact that he pointed out where it was going to be and then put it over, as opposed to what Triple H was doing. Like, hey, no one's here, bud. Uh, on the on the NXT show, I believe it was, or on SmackDown or whatever. At least Kevin Owens is trying to. He's like, hey, this is the reason why I want to beat his ass here. Um, so from that standpoint, I actually like the promo. Um, I also really love. Kevin Owens Twitter post about being kind to one another. If you guys haven't seen that, go check that out. Kevin Owens is, is great, and I'm looking forward to seeing this match uh, against him and Seth Rollins, just because like I said, based on everything that's going on, I assume they're going to give them a lot of time to work, and that should be easily a standout match with those two guys, because they're both phenomenal in ring, regardless of uh, how I felt like Seth Rollins was booked, and maybe some of his Twitter comments. The guy's still a fucking phenomenal performer. And they've built the storyline between them up so heavily that you feel like they have to have a lights-out singles match eventually. So hopefully this is the one. And I, I like them drawing in the uh, the performance center because Kevin Owens breaking Sami Zayn's back, turning on his best friend, and then uh, proceeding to kick John Cena's ass. That was the Kevin Owens I was hoping for before he uh, you know got synced up with Jericho, and they kind of went that route. But... Uh, Maybe we'll get to see a little bit more viciousness from Kevin Owens, especially because he's dealt with so much bullshit the past two months with Seth Rollins. Could be really fun. And uh, the promo itself I thought was pretty good. Yeah, I have to admit, man, the more you look at it, regardless, if they give them enough time, I should say, that's definitely a big a big if. Regardless of how, it, how awkward it's going to be for whatever crowd participation there is, uh, wherever they have it, there's a lot of good matches that, like I said, if they have enough time to flesh them out and tell great stories, 
they have some awesome matches set up. I mean, Becky and Shayna Baszler is still going to be a pretty damn good match. Uh, we've seen both ladies, like, kill it. Everyone's going to be trying to have an awesome match. You know, we talked about Rhea Ripley and Charlotte. You have Randy Orton Edge. You have Undertaker and AJ Styles. Goldberg and 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 and, and Roman Reigns is a big marquee match, but it's still, I think they're going to pull off something. I think Roman can really get something out of Goldberg. If you look at the Intercontinental title, whoever who all is involved in that, they should be able to get a good pairing. Same thing with the tag. Same thing with the U.S. title. You know, and all the other matches that they've already lined up. I think that Seth Rollins, obviously, and, and, and Kevin Owens included, they have uh, they have potential. I would say, you know, given the circumstance, to have some a very very uh, talked about WrestleMania for uh, different reasons other than, obviously, the pandemic. Yeah, I, I mean, they're used to wrestling for a handshake and a hot dog anyway, so shouldn't be any problem for Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins. They just got to harken back to those early days of pre-Ring of Honor and get shit done, I guess. Yep. All right, so uh, since it was 316, Stone Cold Steve Austin showed up, and he came to the ring, and... I'll, before I go on to this, could you have just given Stone Cold directions and let him just do his fucking thing? Yes, but WWE kind of likes to pigeonhole themselves, I guess, by having to have everything mean a certain way. And the whole thing with, with Byron Saxon, I think Byron was very charming. He was funny with his reactions of Stone Cold declaring it 316 Day as a national holiday and wanted to, like, give it, like, different things, like, you know, being able to drink starting at noon, and he was giving him a score. But it was just fucking weird. And honestly, the best part of it was when Becky came out, and they were able, after Stone Cold gave him, uh, Byron a couple stunners. Um, Byron being a great sport, uh, obviously. But um, it was... <sighs> I don't know, Chris. Uh, do you agree with me? Like, I, I liked the interaction with, with Becky. I, I liked... Steve being Steve, but it's like, just let him go out and have fun. He doesn't have to address the audience, talk about, you know, the, the virus or anything like that. But I mean, it, it just feels like they formatted a fucking segment with Steve Austin on a show that didn't really need a formatted segment. I mean, it could be that also Austin wanted to talk about it. That's the other thing. I mean, like, you know, yeah. not all Austin promos are a banger. Maybe he felt the need that you need to go out and say something about being in an empty arena for the first time probably since he's been in WWE or whatever throughout his entire career and maybe just address the situation and put some levity to it, so to speak. But uh, yeah, it was a little forced, I guess. Um, Also, like, Stone Cold apologized to Byron on Twitter, so I don't know what he said, or I guess he kind of buried Byron in a way he didn't mean to, then people got upset about it because it's it's oh. weird that people would get upset about Stone Cold in general because he's going to say fucked up shit because he is a Texas, West Texas redneck. That's kind of his entire gimmick. Um, I, that being said, I don't think he said anything racist. I just feel like people thought Byron got buried by Stone Cold. Maybe there were some things made about Byron's commentary or something. I, I'd have to go back and rewatch it. But I, I do know that Stone Cold actually apologized, which is weird in itself. And also, like him not giving Becky the center <laughs> is the least fucking hey. stone cold thing ever like stone cold totally should have given becky the stunner and she'd be more over for catching a stunner like yeah stone cold doesn't care 
you're his friend? Cool. Here's a beer, stutter. Doesn't matter. He's not friends with anyone. He's the rattlesnake. He's not to be trusted. I don't understand this happy-go-lucky Stone Cold not giving Becky a stunner. You get in the ring when Stone Cold's doing his shit. You're catching a stunner. It doesn't matter who you are. Ask The Rock. Ask Mick Foley. Hell, he's stunned his own tag partners before. Like, it doesn't... Although, to, 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 to go the opposite concept, would you want Kevin Owens, if they had that segment at the end of the night, to get a stunner from Austin? Sure. Why okay. not? It's, it's Stone Cold. Yep. It's fucking Stone yeah. Cold. Put anyone in there. If you get a stunner from Stone Cold, it doesn't matter. Xavier Woods proved that. He took a sweet chin music, Mr. Socko, in a stunner all at one time, and the New Day was just even more over when they fucking left. Like, it doesn't... <laughs> no one's going to be like, oh, man, fucking now there's no way Kevin Owens can beat Seth Rollins. He took a stunner from Stone Cold. Like, if Kevin Owens was out there cutting a promo with Stone Cold, talking super Canadian and Stone Cold asked him about his move or whatever, and then demonstrated it, or was, like, faking demonstrating it, and then just gave him a legitimate stunner, people would have loved that shit and then forgot about it the next week as far as the storyline goes. Stone Cold should always be stunning everyone. That's, that's what I want out of my Stone Cold. All right, so I looked up that thing with Byron Saxon, um, and it's actually kind of, it, it's funny. I'm going to try to do this in Stone Cold's voice, but I, I do a terrible impersonation, so if I stop, that's why. My sincere apologies to Byron Saxton for kicking him dead square in balls. I don't know what hurts worse, his balls or my foot. I will go in for x-rays tomorrow. Byron, ice him down for 20 minutes every other hour. That's what Vince did. All the best. Hashtag 316 day. And Byron Saxton uh, later responded, thanks for the advice, Steve Austin. I hope we are still cool, question mark. okay so the internet made a way bigger deal out of it than it was apparently that's funny get on stone cold like i said i didn't have time to research it before the show i just saw that circulating out there and i was like i stone cold now that i know what the apology was that's great all right so i take back my previous statements (laughs) that's awesome stone cold is great I just wanted to make sure uh, to see what the uh, details of were it, but or were with it. But <clears throat> apparently, you know, just like uh, he split his foot open and broke his toe on his balls, so that sucks for Byron. Um, it's like when he was uh, there's this one podcast Stone Cold was doing. It's one one of the ones where he was by himself and he just rambles for a long time. But he's talking about singing uh, Michael Jackson in the shower and he falls and the loofah goes up his ass. And the fireman had to come get him out of the little trailer shower. It's like a 20-minute endeavor. Definitely check it out. <laughs> I remember him explaining. He's like, oh, my God. And hearing him like Austin, like, yeah, that's what I said. A loofah went up my ass. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, God, I love you. Stone Cold Steve Austin, 316 day every year. All right. So, AEW Dynamite. Um, I think that... Me and Chris can both agree. I think that AEW just had it's, – it's because they had, like, a more open arena because, like I was saying earlier, WWE, for whatever reason, I guess because it's a, it's a part of the whole college campus, can't use uh, full sales, you know, arena like they normally do for NXT. I don't really know the details that well into it, so that might be bullshit, but that's why they're using the Performance Center. And – the Performance Center compared to, I forgot the, the, the Jacksonville Amphitheater that the Khan family owns that they had a pay-per-view at, they had their show at, 
it's just a different atmosphere. And they were able to take their heels and put them on one side of the place and take a lot of their baby faces. Not too many, just a couple, just enough. And they had the crew around them, you know, on both sides. So it looked like there was more people there. And, you know, even if you had the heels on one side, uh, <laughs> just uh, doing some stuff, doing some illegal gambling uh, during the show like MJF and Sean Spears were doing, it just it, 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 it seemed more open. It seemed like the, the camera direction was at the ring and wasn't on the audience, so it didn't really make it look as weird. And it just seemed like they had, like, more to play with, if you will, within that little amphitheater. And as long as they're being safe about it, you know, that's the thing is, like, Dave Metzler was kind of concerned about both WWE and AEW. It's just the fact that, like, you know, there's checking with Fever and stuff like that. Like, I hope that they seriously are doing this uh, the right way and making sure because even though there's not that many people there, it's it's still at either show. It, I mean, there's a risk involved, and I guess that's that's what we go into with all this no matter what. So I get it, but AEW just kind of made it look like it was it, it had a bigger feel to it uh, than WWE was able to pull off at the Performance Center, and I, I don't think it's as it's not as fair, you know, due to the location, but. I mean, I don't know. I loved it, man. I, I, I loved how the heels, you know, it kind of reminded me of, like, if Batman was forced in this, in this like, you know, some type of fighting scenario thing, um, and his, his, his rogue gallery was in the audience betting on people beating him in some, gladi- like, gladiator-like fight or some shit. Like, I thought it was really fun. And when they got Tony Schiavone in on the betting, that was pretty fucking funny. Um, am I crazy for thinking this? Like, I'm not trying to – WWE had what they had to play with, Chris. But at the same time, it's like AEW just pulled off a better look, presentation, I would say. I think the presentation is dead set on where they did their camera angles at. If you look at a lot of those matches, they were filmed instead of filming from the side – like hard cam like WWE normally does, they filmed a lot from like towards the stage an open arena. So they took away the aspect of like, here's an empty crowd, whereas WWE kind of leaned into their normal stuff. If you go back and watch SmackDown, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. So some of it, some of it was just cinematography, but also building the storyline of like, the reason the heels are out here is because they're gambling and they're drinking wine and they're scumbags. Uh, built into the show also, just the common voice of Jim Ross being there, I think, meant a lot. And the way Cody came out and addressed the situation before the show with his opening promo, which I thought was really good. It wasn't all like, hey, like this is what's happening. But you know, he got to the wrestling piece of it to build up to the pay-per-view. But I think he did a really good job of handling that. And, and WWE doesn't really have that guy. Um, as much as they tried to do it with Austin, like Austin's not really that guy. That's not what wrestling fans want to see. Whereas Cody is kind of the ultimate baby face right now. So him saying America standing together, we need to stand together, whether it means standing apart at this point in time, um, just some good lines in there for Cody. I think that kind of set the tone of the show and what the show was going to be. Tony Schiavone was great in his role. Um, it built to the pay-per-view. There were some phenomenal matches. And once again, like as far as watching it on TV versus like what SmackDown was, for instance, you're going to get crazy spots out of AEW. 
and uh, the the way that I mean the people that they had out there reacting to it, even the small things they did later in the show with Sammy Guevara singing Judas on the microphone like he was the crowd, uh, <laughs> just really added shit to the show that was like such small things, but kind of made it feel like you were watching something important or be at least being entertained by it, as opposed to like oh I'm watching a recap of a pay per view or okay here's a sit sit down promo I would expect this or okay, here's this really weird uh, women's tag match where they're just going to pretend like the crowd's there. It didn't have that aspect. It's like they came out and acknowledged it immediately. Then they made reasons of why the people were out there, and the people that were out there built towards the pay-per-view with their feuds. So, like, Dark Order comes out, you have SCU, right? There's so many different interactions like that of why it made sense that they would be out there watching it, especially in this empty arena. And uh, I know the setting was a big deal, but they really only, they, they really were, I mean, they cut off like, they were 20% into that arena. So every once in a while you get a shot and you just see blank nothingness. So I'm not yeah. going to give WWE a pass because they decided to film things the way they did, so to speak. I'm not going to say what they did was wrong just because it's such a weird situation. But it could have been done better, and I think AEW proved that. It's not like they put it in the middle of this arena and stacked it with their entire staff or anything. It was, you know, they just filmed it better. It was just a better show. Um, and I think the reason it was a better show is they're like, you know what's cool? Good wrestling. Here's some wrestling matches. We're still building towards our pay-per-view, which is still like three months away. As opposed to WWE, they're like, we're building till Mania. I don't know. Here's Rumble. Yeah. No, I agree with you. That's a very, very good point. It just, it really did have like a different feel. Um, like a night and day concept. Like one, like, you know, we, we've said before that your wife said it, it looked like a play. <laughs> but, you know, AEW, if they can, I, I hope that they take advantage of this and maybe use this weekend. If no, and, and this is kind of something that aggravated me about and I, you, you brought this up uh, with, with the last SmackDown, uh, the, the how they didn't realize in some foreign countries that were recording, you know, that during the commercial, the women took a break or whatever. And, um, see, you know, if, if what I'm trying to say is with AEW, if anyone decides to record just some of the stuff up front now, maybe use this weekend to get like a couple weeks ahead. As long as we don't have to worry about some douchebag fucking leaking that out, go for it, man. Because who, who knows if you're going to be able to do whatever. Question I have to you, Chris, along with that, blood and guts, given the circumstance, and that's supposed to be the next, you know, next week, uh, the little mini pay-per-view war games, there really can't be any blood, uh, you know, based on everything that's going on. I, I don't know if that would be the, the most intelligent idea. So can they really have a War Games-like match, which is what probably Cody wants? I mean, all it takes is one tweet earlier in the week saying that everyone has been tested, like, the day before, and then you just do it anyways. Like, if I'm being honest, like, yeah. I mean, they're still going to get color. Like, Cody is going to get color regardless. Is that going to be a big deal? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe people will look down upon that, but... Uh, it's gonna be called. It's called blood and guts for a reason. They're gonna be bleeding all over each other. Um, luckily, they're all in really good shape, and maybe they keep Tully and Arn 
at arm's length or something. <laughs> JR has to do it from a trailer somewhere in the back as far as calling the matches, but uh, I'm, I'm assuming they'll do something like that. They, they, they'll be probably doing testing every day before the event, and then they're just going to do the event as they normally would, just with an empty crowd. I mean, I don't know what other choice they have. I mean, they, they could just give you fake blood, I guess. I mean, does it even matter if anyone gets color? Like, I, I don't think it does. They're going to give you no. a high-quality match versus NXT, and looking at what WWE's done thus far, you have to feel like the wrestling is all going to be on AEW, so you're going to have a lot of people jump ship and watch that, I would think, uh, with what they've built. And and I don't think you necessarily need the color. You're already going to have two rings and a still structure. If no one gets bloody, I don't think anyone's going to give a shit. It sucks that they named their pay-per-view that, but uh, I, you know, if they decide to do that, I'm assuming that we'll, earlier in the week we'll get all of this social media uh, tweets from Cody and AEW and the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega talking about how everyone's going through rigorous testing. and I mean, there's ways to do it. Do I think it's necessarily a good idea, and will it probably be shit upon? Uh, yeah, of course. But, I mean, people are going to complain about everything, right? Um, yep. So just don't do it. Don't do it at all. Like, you don't need it. You're going to have, like I said, you're going to have two rings with a giant cage structure around it. People don't necessarily have to get color. You can do cool table spots. You can do people leaping off the top of the cage. I mean, the athletes they have in there, like Kenny Omega, for instance, I'm sure he's going to be able to do backflips and shit all over the place. You got Ortiz and Santana. Like, there's tons of things they can do without having to do a blade job. Yep, I agree with you. I think they, they can figure out something else, or like you said, they're just going to be very open about you know what what's going on with them. They'll handle it intelligently i i would say let's get to the uh, opening of the show uh the show opened with a promo from cody rhodes talking about not wanting to live in fear of the global uh, pandemic uh what which then pivoted quickly uh to a bit about needing the elite to be the elite at blood and guts basically he was just saying how like you said you know all of us being divided but still together if you will and the, the the world itself, you know, needing that kind of philosophy of us still trying to be one, if you will. It's a good, really uplifting speech. You know, I, I thought that it was a really, really great promo. Um, he then used that as a way for him to go into each member of the elite. Uh, Matt Jackson came to the ring. Kenny Omega followed. Um and Omega talked about how scary the real-world situation is and how there might not even be a Dynamite next week. So they're going to go out. He wants to go out with the Elite. And Jackson called out the Hangman Page to ask him if he were to be back at Blood and Guts with them. And he came out there, had a little, looks like, scotch on the rocks or whiskey on the rocks or something. Uh took a swig of it, and then pointed the glass at them. The Elite then turned out the lights, and a bunch of pyro started to start off the show. That was a really good opening. <laughs> Cody, I mean, as dumb as it's going to sound, I am going to compare it, actually, to Vince uh, the night after 9-11 uh, that he had at SmackDown. Uh, it just it was from the heart. It was very passionate. I thought it was 
just well said and just started off the tone. And I like how he was able to take something very serious and, and you know, something that's going on right now that's causing so many different changes and kind of put it in the direction of the storyline that's happening with all the members of the elite kind of being at odds right now. So very big fan of it. And uh, yeah, just, just liked it. It was like the show must go on. That's, that was the whole theme. And I thought triple H was great last week. I thought he had a pretty good one, but they addressed it more. And I think that was kind of important, you know, WWE for whatever reason, understandably. So didn't try to go too much into it. And they kind of, this is the only time they did, but they hit it, they hit it on the head, and then they went on. Uh, how did you feel about this opening promo from Cody and then the direction of going to blood and guts with the elite being a unit again instead of being at odds, Chris? I thought it was great from the standpoint that they immediately told the crowd, like, hey, this is what's happening, and now we're back to the show. And I love Kenny saying... Well, we're here, so we might as well hit the pyro just like we do every week. And then they hit the pyro, and the show started. And then it was a wrestling show. And it didn't feel, to me, didn't feel forced, didn't feel weird. It felt like just a really good-ass wrestling show. Um, I mean, definitely there were some weird spots and moments in it, but the promo itself, right now I don't think there's a better promo in the world than Cody Rhodes. I mean, unless you're going to translate, you know, some Tanahashi or Okada promos. Um, he's just kind of hitting on all cylinders. And once again, this week, he just totally came out, did his thing. It was great. MJF and the crowd was kind of great. We didn't get a lot of interaction between the two, but it was definitely there. And then the Tony Schiavone follow-up was uh, like we talked about a little earlier was, was awesome. Yeah, that was some, some very, very good stuff. Now, hold on one second, guys. Had some problems with my phone for some reason. Of course. Uh, it's been that kind of night, man. We're like a WWE's production team on SmackDown. We have no idea what we're doing. Fair <laughs> way, man. It won't even... It, it, hold on one second. Let me, let me open up a different window. Uh... I wish I knew in my head exactly what happened next, but I can't pretend. Well, the, the immediate thing after was Tony Schiavone uh, interviewing MJF uh, and them oh, yeah. basically taking bets. Right, them taking bets uh, in the crowd and, and Tony Schiavone kind of shunning it. And then typical mean gene, as soon as he thinks the camera's kind of cut away and they're like, you want a piece of this action, Tony? He's like, yeah, let me, let me, get, in, let me get in on that. And then it went back to, um, oh, I can't remember who was in the ring for the promo. There, were, there was a female wrestler in the ring, uh, Brandy Rhodes. Yep. Um, I love that part, man, with Tony Schiavone. I thought that was great. I thought, like I said, establishing all the bad guys hanging out together for the hell of it, you know, and, and gambling. And then Cody, or not Cody, uh, Tony acting like, he was so high and mighty, and then as soon as Sean Spears offered him to be a part of it, him and MJF totally got him down. He was gambling, like you said, Mean Gene style. And I hope that I like Tony in this in this role. I, I love him going back and forth. But you know, I really like Taz. Uh, I I told you, you know, I don't I don't know if you got a chance to watch Dark, but they're doing a um, 
a John Madden thing with Taz where he breaks down certain parts in the match and actually highlights it, you know, on screen with like a little white, um, like chalk thing, basically showing you certain things with the, with, with the play, like John Madden used to do with football. And, uh, I love, I love Tony Schiavone as like the, the, uh, the mean gene, if you will, for the company, even though he can definitely could do broadcasting with the other guys, but he's great in both roles. Yeah, I'm completely torn because I also love him on commentary just because everything seems so new and fresh with Tony Schiavone. He's, like, surprised at every movie scenes and it's like, legitimately excited, it seems like. Um, <laughs> I guess because he hasn't watched wrestling in a long time. But uh, he is the perfect Mean Gene. I think maybe his knowledge of Mean Gene and WCW and, and kind of just his overall goofiness uh, from doing his podcasts and, and the different roles he's had in the past, uh, he is dead ringer for kind of that Mean Gene guy, and it's something wrestling needs. It's it's something everyone complains about when they watch anyone in WWE give like take one of these interviews, right? So he sets them kind of apart, and if they just want to do that with Tony Schiavone, I'm perfectly fine with that. Um, or if they want to rotate in announcers. That being said, I think Taz was uh, phenomenal in AEW Dark, and I thought he was really great throughout the entire night. Him and him and JR had some really, really funny banner back and forth, some to the ex- uh, at the expense of Excalibur, but uh, definitely good stuff all around. Yeah, I enjoyed it for sure. So we had Brady Rhodes. Um, she handled the ring announcing, like you said, and then she... You know, uh, introduced Jim Ross, Excalibur, and Taz for commentary. Um, the only thing I gotta say about Jr. I love Jr. I wish that he would stop talking about people that that talk shit about him on Twitter. And I swear to God, if I could find those motherfuckers, I would somehow like a telepathic dick hit for anyone that bothers this fucking old guy for whatever stupid bitchy reason. Ugh, just. Be happy. That's all I have to say. But, you know, like many ways, I think it was like a Rio comment happened. And he mentioned, like, she was 98 pounds. He was like, just for everyone that's going to bitch about that on Twitter, that's her actual weight. It's like, JR, just, like, be above it. I hate that he fucking has to throw in there. Sometimes the grouchy old man stuff works really well because he loves Excalibur. He's, he's put him over so many times in interviews. He thinks that he's the future. And, you know, he's just trying to teach him. And, they have a camaraderie, but, like, you know, I just – some of that stuff, it's like I wish that he didn't talk about it on air. Do you know what I'm saying? I didn't have as much of a problem with it on this week's show, but I do get what you're talking about. I feel like they were filling space and trying to give – like, I mean, the commentators were saying, like, ass and shit and damn and stuff this week, and they normally don't do that. Um, so I feel like they were giving them a little more leeway just based on the situation. Um, but yes, I agree with you to some extent. He should definitely not acknowledge the haters, so to speak. And we will find you haters and we will beat the living hell out of you. Jane, Silent Bob, Stripe Back style. I swear. Anyways, um, we had a match between the Lucha brothers and the best friends. Uh, Orange Cassidy sat in on commentary. He gave a lot of stuff and pointers for the match. And hit uh, no hands dive on the Lucha Brothers at some point from the stage while the ref was distracted. Uh, the Bros won the match 
uh, the Lucha Bros, I should say, won the match with the top rope double stomp package pile driver combination. After the match, Chuck Taylor challenged uh, the Lucha Bros to a street fight in a literal street or parking lot. I'm very happy that he was, you know, very specific with the request. But I like this. Um, they, they mentioned that Pac couldn't make it over here. He's obviously stuck in England. So, you know, the death triangle, as cool as that was to start off with, it might be a little bit hindered uh, due to that. But, you know, I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> what are you going to do? Uh, but I, I like this match. I really like the part where instead of the best friends hugging, they went and, you know, rubbed elbows. I thought that was kind of uh, charming stuff. I, but I, I, I like this match. I thought the Lucha Bros, for being usually, like, just coming in, you know, from AAA after doing a million matches and doing whatever that happens, they were very crisp in the ring. Um, and, yeah, it was, just, it was fun. Uh, how'd you get this match, Chris? I thought the match was very good. And uh, Lucha Brothers actually tagged in and out. And and they kept Pentagon on the apron for forever at the beginning of this match. So no one can yell about Lucha Brothers not tagging in and out during this match, um, at least in my opinion. Uh, I thought it was very good. I liked the spot where Orange Cassidy came out and sat at the announcer's booth. But, like, Orange Cassidy doesn't talk, so he just put the headset on and kind of chilled for a while. Um, I like uh, a little bit of the involvement from the, the crowd. Um, MJF getting mad. Uh, when, when, well, no, it was an MJF. I can't remember. Someone getting really happy when uh, the Lucha Brothers won on the heel side, so they were still playing up the betting angle and uh, started pouring more wine after the match. The match itself was really good. Um, and I thought Chucky e. T was pretty decent on the mic. I think that's the first time we really heard him cut a promo, at least in AEW, that I recall. Like, at least a big part of the promo and doing the call-out for uh, this street fight. And I think the street fight's a good idea, because like you said, if you're going to be in an empty arena using your settings and, and those different things, like fighting in the parking lot, it, it does make a lot of sense and plays into people's imagination a little bit. So I'm, I'm kind of excited for that. Yeah, man. Uh, what followed it was another awesome match, I feel, um, between Hikaru Shida, Lelby Ford, Riho, and Chris Statlander. For anyone that watched uh, AEW Dark, Shinef Penelope Ford got a huge win over Riho, which is the reason why she was propelled in this. Um, and then you have, uh, I think, I think Rio's still second. She is third. I forgot the exact rankings now because of that win with Ford over Rio, but um, just a fun four-way match. I thought Penelope Ford continues to me to be someone to watch. I thought that even though she got the loss uh, from Hikaru Shida, I thought she did great. I think that Shida is one of my favorites, and I kind of saw her position to be going against Nyla Rose for the championship beforehand. Now, do I think that she'll beat her? I have no idea. Probably not. But um, Penelope Ford was awesome. And afterwards, Colcabana was interviewed at ringside and said that Penelope Ford would be doing a lot better if she got rid of her, you know, her current boyfriend. Uh, well, since no one's in the fucking arena, Sabian took offense, and he and Cabana went back and forth until basically Cabana, like, pie-faced him, like, gave him a nice slap, and uh, Kip Sabian kind of went off like a douche. And I guess we're going to have a match between Cole Cabana and Kip Sabian in the future. Uh, interesting stuff. Uh, how did you like the ladies match, and uh, how did you like what transpired afterwards? 
Uh, I, I actually thought the match was very, very enjoyable. I look forward to seeing Kip Sabian versus Cole Cabana. They're both good in-ring athletes, so that should be a fun match altogether. Um, yeah, there was one spot in this match that I paused and rewind, which was the reverse Frankensteiner or reverse Hurricane Rana, because it looked like she got spiked on her head, and I was like, oh, man, I need to go back and rewatch that because it was insane. But uh just landed perfectly. So they turned it up kind of to 10, even without the crowd being there, and I appreciate that. I thought it was a really, really fun match. Penelope Ford, I think that she's kind of a superstar in the making. I like the, the theme music they have with her, her relationship with Kip Sabian. I feel like there's a lot you can do with that character. So I'm looking forward to seeing where they go from here, for sure. Yeah, man, she's a bad, bad girl. All right, uh, we keep on going, and uh, John Moxley was interviewed in the parking lot about how he's not medically clear to be in the arena, um, and how it doesn't matter, you know, wherever the, uh, what are they called, um, whatever Kusherko's group is called. Um, wherever the inner are, circle. God damn it. <laughs> hey, it's okay, Chris Jericho fucks it up later on in the eight, so I'm fine. Um, but yeah, wherever they are, he will be, and then he drove away in his Ford GT. Um, but what does this mean? I, I, why, medically cleared, what the fuck is that? I mean, what the hell does that entail? And, you know, now finding out that Matt Hardy later on, spoiler alert, um, is going to be the other person, and then Kenny should be healed up by, um, blood and guts. Where is his involvement, and why is he still after the inner circle? All questions I have for you, Chris. What do you think about Moxley? Medi- what, what, what the hell does medically clear mean, and what's his involvement in blood and guts, if any? Oh, man, I don't know what it means to be medically cleared if you're John Moxley. I mean, John Moxley is a crazy man, so he could just show up, or they could add additional people to that match, heel team and... Uh, babyface team maybe they add the inner circle in there and throw like darby allen and matt hardy and john moxley in there and they make it bigger than it actually is i think there's a lot of things you could do i mean i saw jake the snake sitting with mjf uh in the night and and obviously cutting that promo a little later on cody Rhodes. maybe you just get like a big big ass brawl out of it um i don't know i mean AEW's been pretty decent with their booking as far as where they go even though the Luke Harper thing a little later I thought was a weird addition, but not bad by any means. I thought he cut a really good promo, just not what I expected um, from that storyline, but I'm looking forward to seeing how it plays out. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. That's a good question, Dane. I don't have a 100% answer. My, I guess my gut feeling would be, like, you have two rings in a giant cage. You just add those guys in and have a really big-ass show. Yeah, I have no idea. It's very weird. He's uh, he has he has involvement in this. He's talking about blood and guts. I don't know why he's not medically cleared to be there. It's, it's all a lot of strange stuff. Sure, we'll find it out. There is a possibility that even though Kenny says he'll be fine by then, maybe they might swap him out. Maybe maybe Kenny gets taken out backstage beforehand. You know, they could figure out something. But uh, I feel like so. I mean, you have to. Well, yeah, you have two things with the Elite. You have, what is it, Nick that just had a child, and you have Omega with a broken hand. So 
he could just be a substitute that they're building towards, and then he could just demolish someone after the match. I do like him driving off in the stolen car again, though. That's <laughs> still, still fucking great. He's cruising around in that. That must be like Tony Khan's personal car. That's that's my guess, because it doesn't seem like a very John Moxley purchase, considering he continuously talks about how he's been driving the same truck for, like, seven years. Yeah, fucking funny as hell. Uh, just attention to detail, man. All right, so Jurassic Express, Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy uh, went against the Butcher and the Blade. Um, no Buddy tonight, no, um, uh, what you call it, uh, Oh, man, help me out, Chris. Um, little mini guy. Uh, Marco Stunt. Mini <laughs> guy reminded me of Marco Stunt. Sorry about that, guys. Uh, they weren't there, but um, MJF paid off the Butcher and the Blade before the match uh, and was yelling orders at them and you know to do their finisher later on, which would distract uh, Jurassic Express and set up a combination flapjack and cutter from the Jurassic Express, giving them the win. Um, I love that part where MJF was like, you know, because they've been his, like, hired mercenaries, and now he's, like, betting stuff. So he's won this money, and he's trying to pay them off to take those guys out because he doesn't like them, and especially with all the bullshit that happened last week. And because he's so fucking arrogant and is calling them to do their finisher and they get distracted, they lose. Um, but good win on Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy. Thought both guys looked great. Um, and yeah, thought it was a good match. How'd you like it, Chris? I thought it was a really good match. If I had to point out one glaring thing, uh, which I think the commentator commentators tried to clear up, there was supposed to be a suicide dive spot after, like after that finisher to take the guy out for the pin. And he didn't get back up. So my guess was they were just being really quiet in the way that they talked in the ring because it was an empty arena. That's my guess. Uh, and then that spot just didn't happen. So he had this weird little thing where, like, Jungle Boy went to do this running splash and no one was there. And he was like, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> just kind of, like, went back on the ropes. <laughs> He's like, it wouldn't make any sense for me to just suicide dive into nothing. So, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> Which at least he was smart enough to look before he just leaped because that guy was like totally there so he just like kind of takes a powder to the outside of the ring gives him like one kick and then gets back in the ring (laughs) which like i said i I think that was just miscommunication because obviously you're trying to be quiet if there's no crowd there uh but that was a really funny spot now not to make fun of jungle boy but you know I, i did poke fun at that spot but he hit one hell of a cutter that cutter spot with him and Luchasaurus good. was awesome. I like the match. Butcher and the Blade looked really good in this match as well as a tag, like as a dominant force tag team. Um, and now you could even set up like them pissed off at MJF and Wardlow, and that could be a fun like big hoss match with MJF being chicken shit most of it. So uh, some good stuff all around. Yeah, I agree. I kind of hope they go in that direction. It would be nice to see Wardlow in the ring and. Big fan of Andy Williams, guitarist from Every Every Time I Die. Big fan of his band. I didn't realize it would become this hulking, old-school-looking, you know, wrestling uh, villain now in the ring with the Butcher. Definitely like him and uh, Braxton Stutters with uh, the Butcher and the Blade. They're doing they're doing good stuff with something I definitely thought very less of beforehand. And actually, speaking of which, 
something I thought very less of was the Dark Order. Well, uh, Evil Uno, or Evil Uno, I should say, came out to uh, reveal the identity of the Exalted One. And he was basically in the ring talking about this. He had his minions and everyone. The other guy that's with him all the time, I forgot what the fuck his name is. He looks like Saget from, um, from Street Fighter with the beard. Uh, but... <laughs> Sorry, I pop for the Street Fighter jokes. Oh, God, he really does. I don't remember what the fuck his name is. But anyways, so Evil Uno was there. Uh, Christopher Daniels started laughing, heckling from the uh, audience. Him and Frankie Kazarian said that there was no Exalted One going back to the stuff recorded um, with Christopher Daniels farcing the whole entire Dark Order thing the week before. And uh, that was actually stopped and turned down very quickly because we found out the exalted one uh, was Brody Lee after a little video package of him uh, with his voice, you know, kind of altered throughout, throughout it and slowly becoming Luke Harper's, uh, I should say the, or Brody Lee. Um, You know, we, we found out that he is the exalted one. He is the leader of this. And I got to admit, man, you know, I didn't. He was the last one I thought would be the leader of a cult because it's a little bit too on the nose. But if he wants to do this, that's fine. Lance Archer didn't make sense. Matt Hardy didn't make sense because he was a babyface. Um, yeah, I mean, if it wasn't going to be Christopher Daniels or, or Kevin Sullivan or someone else, this is very interesting. It was funny because he went to go do his Discus Lariat to Christopher Daniels because. After the videos, he would appear in the ring with Evil Uno and Saget from Street Fighter with the beard. Um, and they would take on, um, you know, uh, SCU. And he went to go give him Sister Abigail and then turn it around and gave him Distillariate. He also made a comment about how, you know, uh, older men out of their prime have second-guessed him before in the past. And he's not going to let that happen again. Uh, all right. I gotta say, and I, you know, I, I don't know how you feel, Chris, on this. Just quit taking shots at WWE. You know, it just makes it look like you guys don't give a fuck if you do. But still, the speech was really cool, and I did like that. So it, I'm not saying I didn't like, you know, the comment that obviously was referring to Vince. But it, I really hope he doesn't do that as a finisher if he sets it up like Sister Abigail and then goes into the Dislariate. I hope that was just like a little nod. Maybe like a thank you Bray sort of thing, since I know that they're friends in real life. But whatever, I just don't. I, I think AEW is above taking cheap shots, and sometimes they they tend to still do that. And who gives a fuck? Let them do their thing. You guys are doing a very very superior product to a lot of us wrestling fans. I think that's all that matters. But I like the presentation, the outfit. I really like the white robe, and then he took it off, and it was kind of like purple, and I'm not 100% sure what the hell, but Luke Harper, man, great promo. Who could tell? Well, Vince didn't fucking think anything of him, so we were able to see him and hear him, and this makes me like the Dark Order more. My God, like I said, man, those eyes that he has, you know, they stare through souls. More like in a Cactus Jack sort of way, but it says a lot with his face, and... uh I think it's going to be a lot of fun going forward. I'm glad that Christopher Daniels and uh, Brody Lee have rivalry, and I'm sure they'll have some great matches. Uh, good rivalry to start off. What do you think about all this? 
Well, I I loved it, and I love the tease of Sister Abigail into his move. I think that was probably a one-off. I don't think he's going to do that every time. Um, so I had no problem with it. And him taking a shot at WWE, to me, well-deserved, considering they stalled his release and then held him under injury and then did a bunch of bullshit with his contract just to finally release him and then gave him a 90-day non-compete clause. So as a person, if I get the chance to cut my own promo in that scenario, there, there may be a couple fuck yous thrown in there. You probably could have said a lot more. At least he didn't go into a podcast and bury an entire company like someone we talked about earlier. But like one little pop shot after what that guy's been through. Yeah, sure. Fuck it. Like, just send it. Because at least it fit with the promo and fit with who he is and fit who he was talking about. Because he was talking about Christopher Daniels, who is one of the oldest wrestlers on the roster. Um, and I love Christopher Daniels, not taking anything away from him. I still think he's an absolute great performer, but in context, it made sense. Um, so whatever, he took a shot at Vince. Like, Vince doesn't give a shit, first and foremost, but uh, it did make a lot of sense to me, so I, I don't have a problem with it at all. I think it was a weird choice. I still probably would have went Matt Hardy, um, just because, like, even Matt Hardy as a heel, like, yeah, the fans get behind it, but the Dark Order is not necessarily a heel group anyways. They're kind of like this weird tweener thing, depending on how you feel about the elite some of the other groups that are there uh, with the way they're packaging them. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know. Could be really fun. I thought the promo was good and uh, the interaction between, you know, just the shock that Christopher Daniels put on his face when someone else actually finally showed up uh, was well done. So it's going to be fun to see those guys versus SEU. Um, and I'm assuming Brody Lee's just going to destroy them. And now you have a bunch of big-ass hosses, which is everyone's complaint if you're a huge WWE fan. Well, all those guys are little guys. Well, fucking not anymore. <laughs> a lot of big dudes showing up in AEW right now. Some big-ass monsters. Luke Harper is one of them. That, that guy is a, a mountain of a man. Just like in comparison to everyone else that was in the ring, dude's huge. Yeah, I agree. I just think that the only thing I, I, I will have to say about making comments about WWE, which it, it does happen kind of frequently, and I just think that they're above it, and they don't have to, you know, resort to making a comment that in a roundabout way is a little bit of a shot. I don't think WWE gives a fuck. I know that Vince doesn't care, but you know, they're 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 past that at this point. You know, the it wasn't the sister Abigail thing. It was that, you know, after the comment about Vince, and I'm like, all right, all right, gotcha. You know, blah 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 blah. Anti WWE. Keep on going. Yeah. Yeah, and I agree with you. I don't think it needs to be a shot. Like, Cody doesn't need to be taking shots at WWE. Like, some of the other guys, like Chris Jericho doesn't need to take a shot at the WWE at this point. But considering everything that Brody Lee went through to get yeah. out of his contract, I don't have I, as much of a problem with it. I think we're going to have to take it as a situation by situation because we're going to see more of this in the upcoming year or years. Yeah, you're probably right about that. Well, another new uh, recruit, if you will, Lance Archer, uh, was interviewed with Jake Roberts at ringside, and uh, he basically, I, I don't remember exactly what he said, but he mesmerized me like he always does, like a fucking cobra. Um, just that he was there to get Cody Rhodes' attention with Lance Archer, and obviously that hasn't happened, and it's their time that they need to leave. And he's going to be in the next location, and he's got Lance there, and Lance doesn't need to talk. So he, he hasn't even let him talk. And we know Lance Archer 
you know, especially as of recently, he can he can go. But I'm glad they're actually keeping that mystery here for right now. And afterwards, they showed a video of Archer setting up a ring in the woods and challenging a group of locals to fight him. And he basically destroys all of them, taking the last guy and just smashing his head uh, or smashing him repeatedly over the uh, the top of a car. The weird thing about this location, this might actually be, and I'm 100% positive on this, like uh, Jake Roberts' house or something because – this looked very similar to the location in Peanut Butter Falcon uh, that they videotaped, you know, some backstage wrestling stuff. And that was filmed in Georgia, I believe, at Jake's residence because he was in the movie. Um, like I said, there's no confirmation on that, but I thought this was really cool, different. Um, and it just showed Lance Archer as monster, and he's, they're coming for Cody, man. And, you know, I, I like that we have the potential of Lance Archer by himself being, you know, this this scary element and a good speaker. But right now, Jake Roberts is, is Paul Heyman, and Brock Lesnar doesn't have to talk. And they're just coming for murder, basically, because he's the murder hawk. Um, how'd you like the uh, interview and then the interview going into the segment about Lance Archer? Well, I kind of wonder if a little bit of DDP influence to it, because it almost had like a uh, Devil's Rejects feel to the way it was shot. I don't know if that makes sense sense to you, um, but like the way they shot this weird fucking wrestling ring where people might die, and Jake Roberts is just looking on and and happiness as Lance Archer <laughs> destroys these fuckers. Um, it definitely had like a like a weird, almost a horror movie type feel to it. I kind of like that, and I liked uh, Jake's promo once again. It's great, yeah, it's a good promo. Um, and the only reason I say House of Thousand Corpses, obviously DDP was in House of Thousand Corpses, so drawing inspiration from that would make sense. It does look like somewhere in Georgia. That's the first thing my wife said as well. She was like, that looks like Georgia, because she looks at everything from a film aspect. Um, so, like, maybe Jake's backyard or, or DDP's backyard or somewhere here. Um, but, yeah, just entertaining altogether. Look forward to Lance Archer. I thought he was great, like I said, in G1. I thought he had some really good matches over in New Japan, and... Uh, Seeing him come over and work with Cody should be really entertaining. Yeah, I agree with you, man. Um, yeah, God, they they they've, they've gained some awesome wrestlers. I think as of recently, um, I will I will ask you: Have you seen the Peanut Butter Falcon uh, with Shia LaBeouf? Uh, really fucking awesome movie. A lot of stuff involving wrestling. Uh, Mick Foley's in it. Jake Roberts is in it. Really looked like it was the same exact setting. Uh, I, I just didn't know. I haven't talked to you to see if you uh, watched the movie. So Peanut Butter Falcon, and and if I'm wrong, just go ahead and correct me. This is where Shia LaBeouf plays his dad, essentially, who's an alcoholic, and they're living in that motel. I forgot the name of that movie. It's not Peanut Butter Falcon, but it's some weird wording that's very similar to that. Peanut Butter Falcon's the movie that he did. Uh, with the kind of Johnson where a mentally handicapped child is living at an old folks home for most of his life because uh, his parents died and he's obsessed with wrestling and wants to get trained by his favorite wrestler and ditches it and like kind of meets Shia Buff and they have like a Huck Finn adventure trying to find this wrestling camp. It's actually a really, really good movie. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and say no, I have not. I have not seen that. I thought you were talking about the other Shia LaBeouf movie, which is like a really depressing movie, but also really, really fucking good. 
Yeah, that was a really good movie, too. I, I can't remember the name of it. It's like something, oh, man, this is going to come to me later on tonight. I'm just screaming out of my dreams. Um, all right. Well, I, I, I will say it's a, it's a very weird coming-of-age story if you grew up in kind of a shitty household, which I could relate to some. So it was a very intriguing movie. And they don't have it listed. I'm actually, like, I got to know the name of this fucking movie. It was a great movie. Um, American Honey. There you go. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, sorry, not Peanut Butter Falcon, but check out both those films. I'm going to check out Peanut Butter Falcon now that I know what it's about. You'll love it. <laughs> you'll love it, man. I think that you'll definitely dig it. Your wife will dig it, too, I think. All right, so the last match was the Inner Circle, Santana Ortiz, and Jack. Jack Hager uh, with the Sammy Guevara uh, at ringside, with a Sammy Guevara, with the Sammy Guevara, I should say, at ringside. They went against the elite Cody Rhodes, Matt Jackson, and Hangman Page. And uh, I love this. Uh, Inner Circle comes out. We already talked about this earlier. Uh, afterwards, Chris Jericho comes out, his music. He goes to the uh, to, to the uh, the commentating booth, and Sammy starts with the microphone singing the words to uh, Judith, and the only problem is he doesn't know all of them. So him and MJF are trying to, like, you know, sing the song together, and it goes to Chris Jericho, and I swear to God, he was trying to keep character, and he started laughing, and I was laughing hysterically. It was pretty fucking funny. Um, I love that Adam Page came out, and it said, Adam hands wash Page. That was pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> and and uh, during his entrance with his... Uh, Chiron reading social distancing since November. Um, at one point in the match, Cody threw Ortiz into MJF at ringside, which got Cody choked by Wardlow after he attacked MJF, and Wardlow attacked by Arn Anderson. Jackson and Page went for the Young Bucks indie taker, but Page was, uh, was pulled off the ring apron by Hager, and Santana rolled up Jackson to win the match. The inner circle will now gain the advantage at Blood and Guts match and uh, whatever that actually happens. Uh, before we go to the ending, uh, how'd you like the match, Chris? I like the match quite a bit. I love Sammy Guevara. He grows on me week after week. I thought this was a really funny way to utilize not having a crowd. The commentary on top of it was great from Chris Jericho and Taz and, and Jim Ross. Um, just a lot, a lot of fun just going into the match. And the match itself, setting up this feud going into uh, Blood and Guts, I thought was really good. I will say um, I, I like the idea of the heels having the advantage. They always have the advantage in the old war games, which the advantage is basically a two versus one. So, and being able to pick who goes out first, etc. So, uh, it makes sense in, 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 in the style of the match. So, I was completely fine. Kind of figured that would be the way that they went. Um, the more intriguing aspects is like, is Kenny going to be healed? Like, what are they going to throw in there? And I guess that kind of takes us up to the, the end of the match. And by the way, Dane, we're not hard cut at two hours. So talk about whatever you want to talk about and then we'll, uh, we'll send it out. All right. Good. I wasn't even paying attention to that. <laughs> so I'm glad that you said that. Um, yeah. And, and, uh, Chris Jericho definitely recommend, uh, if you guys get a chance, uh, check out his last two shows. He had the uh, doctor, I forgot what his name is, that knows a lot about uh, information. He's a Canadian doctor. He was on Wrestling Observer, talking to Dave Metzler, uh, but interviewed for details and going on with the, the uh, corona epidemic. 
Uh, great interview. Learned a lot from that. And then also, before that, learned a lot about Excalibur and his past with PWG, um, helping starting that up with Super Dragon and Joey Ryan and a couple other people. And uh, just just good stuff. Um, I don't know, you talking about Kosherico and commentating made me uh, realize that. But um, anyways, after the match, Kosherico had a promo, and he said that he's banning fans from all AEW events going forward until he says so. As Jericho is bragging about how the inner circle will dominate the elite, a drone, uh, Vanguard 1, uh, flew into the arena. Uh, everyone was like, what is that? What is going on? And, of course, a lot of us fans that know what that means uh, were excited. We heard some music. Uh, sounded like uh, Miss Rebby Hardy and uh, her beautiful uh, playing of, of classical stuff uh, on the uh, piano. And Matt Jackson revealed that Nick Jackson's spot in Blood and Guts will be taken uh, by Matt Hardy, who appeared in the stands, uh, just as crazy as can be, like the Phantom of the Opera. And that was the end. And I thought it was awesome. I thought it was a lot of fun and uh, a good way to end the night. And uh, uh, another surprise. I don't know if they kind of crammed them to kind of keep people on their toes just in case, uh, with Matt Hardy getting revealed the same night with Luke Harper. but. Awesome. I thought they did a great job with the show. They really did. Uh, a lot of fun. It was kind of aggravated, but I understood uh, with NXT doing a neutral week. I thought it was a good week to kind of ramp it up, but I think that's also partially because of Vince and looking at his two shows and looking at NXT in the same exact venue and for whatever the fuck reason saying, just do some video packages. Whatever. I'm sure we'll have it back next week with a full show. Looking forward to it. And uh, I just thought AEW was great this week. I hope they get some good ratings. Uh, what did you think about the ending with Matt Hardy? And how did you like overall this episode of Dynamite? Well, I love Matt Hardy, and I've been watching his was it, 10-part series on YouTube, which was really great, bringing up King Maxwell. Obviously, you know, the family's going to get involved. Um, I guess Nick is going to take time off. I was kind of curious on whether he would be back and maybe they sub in Matt for Kenny. And I think they left themselves open and maybe that shifted what the inner circle was doing to some extent. So what they came out with, I thought was really, really fun. Love the piano music, obviously love Matt. I think it's going to be great to see Matt Hardy have open reign again a little bit with his character and what he's able to accomplish and do. And I would assume that Jeff would follow suit, which will, just add another great layer to AEW, and if Matt has a really good showing, um, if it ends up being Matt and Chris Jericho at the end of this thing and blood and guts, people are going to lose their fucking minds for the right reasons. Uh, NXT, if you're going to do us a nothing show and, and just give us video packages, please, for the love of God, just film <laughs> Matt Riddle. <laughs> <laughs> and Pete Dunn doing things. Like, just go ahead and make one of those WWE, like, buddy comedies with Matt Riddle <laughs> and Pete oh, Dunn. shit out of that. Because everyone will watch the shit out of that. You, could, you can put some matches in there, but give us just all of those. Like, all of those promos have been great. Do more of that. Um, I mean, that kind of sums it up for me, Dane. I don't have any other thoughts on the wrestling world except for... Uh, Hopefully this stuff settles down before Wrestle Kingdom, which they've postponed and pushed 
Um, I'm very excited for. I mean, Naito is going into going in as champ. Man, oh, you mean uh, Dominion? yeah, Dominion. Sorry, not Wrestle Kingdom. Sorry, uh, Dominion. Yeah. So we'll see what they do. I mean, I know Stardom's been running shows, Empty Arena. Exciting stuff. Let's say that. Uh, as far as cross the ocean goes, and and like I said, it's support obviously support your indie wrestlers. If you're a fan, I I actually purchased a session moth shirt today. Um, don't be a fucking weirdo either. Don't just start sending indie female wrestlers ass for nudes. I've seen some of that going around, and like, oh fuck you, don't be that person. Don't um, be a dick. Yeah, just yeah. don't be a dick. Be kind to one another. <laughs> Repeat that from last episode. Um, but yeah, man, I got nothing else unless you have something else you want to spit on on the show. No, man, so let's call it a night. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening to another amazing episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Uh, sorry for the format. If you guys like listening to us live, we had some issues with blog talk, but we were able to pull it off. So uh, wherever you get this, uh, we appreciate it over here. Uh, given how much stuff happens Friday night for SmackDown, we might do a show Saturday at noon. But don't get mad at us if we decide to take an off day. But we will be back. We're going to start doing some different stuff, like I said, because of the lack of, uh, you know, stuff out there. So look forward to that. And as always, thank you so much, brother Christopher A. Patton. Say goodbye to all the good people and uh, give whatever plugs you got to do. Thank you guys all for listening. You can hit me at Chris R. Patton on Twitter. Christopher.r.patton on Facebook, Chris.r or Chris R. Patton on Instagram as well. Um, check out my hockey podcast. If you guys like hockey, we're we're up, we're doing some weird, interesting things over there as well. We're talking about some all-time teams. Um, if we're building them, our custom based off the beginning of time of the team to till now, we're doing some rivalries. We're doing some interesting talks in general. Uh, maybe even going over some classic games. So there's some stuff there, and we're going to be doing stuff like that on this podcast as well. With the amount of content we're going to be getting in the next couple of weeks, everyone just be safe, stay healthy, uh, be considerate of others. I don't need to tell you all the health things that you need to do because it's pushed down your throats but just try to be kind like i said in the past and uh thanks thank you guys so much for listening i'll pass it back to dane to give his shout outs and uh we really appreciate appreciate you guys sorry for the technical difficulties hopefully uh this sounds okay i hope so if not you know it happens guys i'm sorry but seriously be nice to each other be loving be safe don't go out don't go out. There's no reason. There's a curfew. You know, listen to Arnold. Seriously. Just be safe. There's a lot of stuff going on. We're going to give you guys some content to relieve your stress, you know, like it does for us. And just talk about wrestling. So because of that, check us out. Like I said, Thursdays, 7 p.m. EST. And, of course, Saturdays at noon uh, EST for episodes of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Wash your hands. Wash your ass. Thank you so much. Let the Geek Fives be with you. And as always, peace out. And I don't know how to end this, so I'm just going to let you know.